Wisdom attack, let us listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be to all. And to your spirit. Reading is from the Holy Gospel according to As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down in his face at his feet and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that to be returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Glory to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit. Today we have a very familiar narrative, hopefully it's very familiar, to all of you. Um, the, the healing of the ten lepers. This event happens in, I guess what I would describe as the transitional period in Christ's public ministry. After his transfiguration on Mount Tabor, before he enters the city of Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem to face the crucifixion, to bring us the resurrection, and to glorify our humanity in his ascension. So it's that transitional period. Christ is traveling south with his disciples and apostles. He is passing through the southern part of Samaria. It's that uh, rocky, hilly, arid terrain. You know, and it's, it's, it's partially dotted by clusters of oak trees and acacia wood. Uh, brushes, and it's, it's a kind of a rough area. It reminds me a little bit of like the central part of Texas or Oklahoma. Uh, not that I've been to Samaria. But anyway, on the pictures that I've seen, it looks like that. Arid, dry, rocky, rough. And Christ is traveling through Samaria with his disciples on his way to Jerusalem. So we also have this event, which probably, most likely, takes place on the outskirts of a village that was very near Jericho. It could have been Ephraim, it could have been Shiloh, it could have been um, um, Bethel. It's where Christ encounters these ten lepers who cry out to him, Lord, Master, have mercy on us and heal us. This is not the first time Christ heals a leper or lepers. 
This is not the first time Christ heals a foreigner, a Samaritan, half-breed. Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans, because they were the ones who intermarried against God's command. They intermarried with those who were the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and, and with the Palestinians who occupied the, the, the uh, Holy Land, the, the land flowing with milk and honey that they were to displace. So the Jews hated the Samaritans. But this was not the first time Christ healed a foreigner. He healed the Roman centurion in Capernaum. He, or the, the, ser the servant of the Roman uh, centurion in Capernaum. The Syrophoenician woman in Tyre and Sidon. He has oftentimes healed and had mercy upon those who were foreigners and pointed them out. He set them in his example to the rest of the Jews who should have been the ones to have recognized him, who should have been the ones who have received him, who should have seen him as the long-awaited Messiah. He heals the foreigners and he points them out as examples of faithfulness to those who were unfaithful. Leprosy is a terrible disease. It still is. According, I guess, to the um, World Health Organization, there's still leprosy in the world, about 200,000 cases, mostly in Asia and Africa. Um, it is not nearly as contagious as once thought. It's still a very serious disease, still a contagious disease. It renders the skin of those who are afflicted hard and lumpy with these boils and these cysts. It's kind of like the Indian coin that we hang on our doorways, you know, for Thanksgiving. Hard, gnarly, um, rough, scaly, blotchy, disfiguration, discoloration, um, very severe deformities come with leprosy. It can lead to paralysis in the hands and in the feet. Gross disfigurement. It can even lead to blindness. Even to blindness. Now that we've come through, I guess, more than two years of COVID, it's easier for us to understand and appreciate the fear, the hysteria that surrounded people who were afflicted with a leprosy. Even given that, if you even think about the bubonic plague that swept across the Middle Ages in, the, in Europe, 50 million people died in the course of three years because of the bubonic plague. Talk about a devastating disease. That was in the Middle Ages in Europe. Christ was not afraid of their leprosy. He was not afraid of really shunned these lepers. But he healed them with a word. He healed them with a word. He had mercy and pity and compassion upon them. And by his word, he restored them to health. This event is only recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke. And in many respects, this event is the culmination of a long series of teachings and parables that Christ gave to his apostles and gave to his disciples starting seven chapters before, in chapter 10, right after the mission of the seven, when he sent them out on an evangelical mission uh, to preach the gospel. Right after the mission of the 70, there is these many chapters where Christ is teaching and giving parables which all, if you want to distill them all down to a common theme or to a, um, you know, to a basic principle, it is this. It is he wanted to urge the children of Israel, and especially the scribes and the Pharisees, the experts of the law, 
to see beyond the brick and the mortar of the law of Moses, and to gaze upon the expansive beauty of the kingdom of heaven, to which the law was only a guide. The law was a means to an end. It was not to be an end of itself. To look upon the expansive beauty of the kingdom of heaven, the ethereal palaces of the kingdom of heaven, and to lead and guide and direct people to it. <coughs> kind of reminds me of Dorothy when she was taken from the mundane and the black and white farmlands of Kansas and was suddenly transported to the glistening emerald city of Oz. I guess I digress. I'm probably dating myself. Does anybody here remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? Okay, I'm, I'm not alone. I am of that generation, I will confess it, that was psychologically traumatized by those flying monkeys in the end. Couldn't take it. I just couldn't take it. And I, and I barely marked it. So anyway, it was just like that, being transported to this new and glorious vision of which the law was only meant to be a means to. The relevance of the healing of these lepers is, is relevant for us today can be found in a wonderful homily that was given by St. Gregory Palamas a long time ago. St. Gregory Palamas, 14th century. He was pivotal, he was pivotal in the history of the Orthodox Church. He was of noble birth, probably born in Constantinople. He was raised and educated by imperial uh, uh, sponsorship, patronage. And yet the whole time he wanted to be a monk lived almost 30 years on Mount Athos. And he lived on Mount Athos and as a monk in a very turbulent, difficult time to be a Christian. It was after the Great Schism between East and West. It was after the rise of Islam that started in the 8th century. And it was during a time when he received a personal attack by an Italian monk called Barlam. Barlam the philosopher. Barlam the Calabrian. But Barlam was a monk who visited Mount Athos, and he saw these monks who were devoting their life to hesychasm, which basically means a still inner life, quietude, peacefulness, tranquility, achieving that apatheia of the, of the heart and the mind and of the spirit, stillness, quietude, uh, by which we can learn about God. Balaam saw this and he said, you guys are wasting your time. The only way to know God is through intense education and philosophy. He said, the philosophers knew more about God than the prophets. And he said, besides, it is impossible. It is impossible for those of us who are confined by flesh, who are burdened with flesh, to be able to have any real contact, any real connection with the transcendent God. Amazing. Basically, Barlam is just falling right back into the same old heresies of Gnosticism and Arianism that the church refuted back in 325. Gnosticism being that only the intellectual elite can know and learn about God. And Arianism, which said that the God cannot have any real contact with matter, creation, because matter is bad and God is good. And so, for there to be, there cannot be any intersection between the two of them. One must nullify the other. This is dualism, pagan dualism, and as far as cosmology goes. It is still something that haunts the Western 
or the Western Catholic tradition, Protestant or Catholic. It's the Western Christian tradition. This dualism. There is matter, there is spirit, there can be no real intersection between the two of them. Of course, uh, St. Gregory's response to this was that essential differentiation between essence and energies. No, God cannot be known in his essence, but we can know him and participate in him, be transfigured by him through his energies. Through his energies. It is like the difference between the sun, we try to look upon it directly with our eyes, we're blinded, the difference between the sun and sunlight. Between air, which is invisible, and the effects of wind upon grain, upon the sea, upon on our faces. Wind that we can feel, wind that we can experience. So this is an essential differentiation that St. Gregory Palamas made when it came to his response against Barlam. This was a debate. I, I don't want to call it a debate because it sounds like an intellectual exercise. It is pursuit of the truth. And this controversy went on between St. Gregory and Barlam for almost 20 years. And ultimately, through three synods, St. Gregory's teachings was upheld. The truth and the validity of Hezekiah was upheld, and Barlam was expelled. So, you know, you need to go someplace else if this is what you think. St. Gregory taught us about the ten lepers by saying, first of all, remember this. Everything that took place in the Old Testament and everything about the Old Law is prefigures and foreshadows everything that was to be revealed and accomplished in the New Covenant. Everything in the Old Covenant prefigures and, and in some respects symbolizes everything that will take place in the New. So he said the significance of leprosy points more points more to the fact it points not just to a physical ailment, but it points to the uncleanness, the deformity, the blindness, the paralysis that comes to people when they sin against God. And those who assist them and those who mix with them. This is almost reflecting upon God's command when the children of Israel entered the, the land of milk flowing with milk and honey, not to intermarry with the pagans, with the barbarians. Why? Because it will dilute their identity. It will dilute their customs and their heritage. It will dilute their faith. So that is why St. Gregory Palamas includes this kind of like this, uh, what, um, collateral, this collateral, um, um, I was trying to think of, uh, anyway, uh, collateral damage by those who mix with these people or who help them in committing their sins against God. By a word, Christ healed the lepers. And then he says something very special, very different. He says, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Christ is fulfilling the Levitical law. Because in the Levitical law, Someone who has been cured or someone who has been healed of leprosy cannot attest to the fact by himself. He must first go to the temple and be examined by the priests, and it is by confirmation of the priests that the man is declared to be well and to be clean again. The implications for us are obvious. St. Gregory says 
that those of us who also sin against God cannot receive forgiveness on our own. We must do like what those lepers did. We must go to the temple and we must come to the priest in the mystery of confession before we can be clean again, before we can take our place in the, the proper place in the midst of the church blamelessly once again. Show yourselves to the priests. The Samaritan, St. Gregory says, was the only one, this foreigner, this one who was an outcast, who was despised by the Jews. It was only the foreigner who came back to give glory and thanksgiving to God. It was only the Samaritan who came back and uh, received the fullness of salvation by returning to Christ, by uh, declaring in word and in deed, publicly, his thanksgiving and his belief in Christ Jesus. And St. Gregory says it is by this act, by this Samaritan, that foreshadows that the Gentiles will be willing to return to God and how the Jews were shown to be unwilling to return to God. St. Gregory also goes on to say, who do the ten lepers represent? said the ten lepers represent all of us. All of us. All of humanity. And the sharp distinction between those who are openly great, uh, who have no gratitude towards God, those who are like the Samaritan, who not only show, uh, who, uh, not only show thanksgiving to God, but also follow his commandments to live in peace. To live peaceably. Peaceably with God, Peaceably with the neighbors, peaceably with yourself. We live peaceably with God because we do what is pleasing to Him. We live peaceably with one another, with our neighbors, because we, because we are called to forbear one another and to forgive one another. We live in peace with ourselves because we subject the flesh to the spirit. We subject the flesh to the spirit and we live out of our conscience and out of the inner thoughts that flow from order and purity. So St. Gregory goes on to say, who are we like? Who are we really like in this narrative of the ten lepers? The nine who kept walking on their way, walking away from Christ? Or the Samaritan who comes back, who gives thanks, and gives glory to God? St. Gregory says, if we're really honest, if we are really honest, we will have to admit we are more like the nine. We are more like the nine. He says, because having been cleansed from something more serious than a physical ailment, do we cling to Christ as we should? Having been cleansed from something more serious than a physical ailment, do we give glory to God by living in the virtues, by the living a virtuous life? Having been cleansed by something far more serious than a physical ailment, have we not distanced ourselves again by our neglect and forgetfulness of all the good and the mercies that God has given to us? But he says, he encourages us, but be reconciled to God and kindle kinship among your neighbors, among your fellow, uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. For then you will become 
sons and daughters of the Most High God. You will be heirs of His peace. He says the whole work of the Incarnation is about this. Receiving the peace of God. Receiving that peace that passes all understanding. How do we know this? Because he says this was proclaimed and declared by the angelic hosts on the night of the nativity that he came from heaven to us to give us this peace. We start every liturgy by repeating this declaration. I almost forgot it this morning. I don't usually do that, but I guess it's senility is sitting in. But we start every single liturgy by repeating that affirmation, that declaration. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill among men. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill among men. Glory will open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And then the deacon, the point of serving, says, it is time for the Lord to act. Bless, Master. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is time for the Lord to act. It is God who acts. It is God who comes to us. It is God who saves us. It is God who heals us and wants to take us to the kingdom of heaven. So my brothers and my sisters, today let us heed the words of St. Gregory Palamas. Let us acknowledge, let us see and recognize the residual leprosy that is still infecting our minds and our hearts and our souls and run to God for our help and for our salvation. Let us be like the Samaritan, the outcast, the foreigner, who return to God with praise and thanksgiving and follow the commandments to live a life of virtue and to receive the peace of God. Let us strive for that peace, preserve that peace, uh, hold that peace of God precious so that we may be at peace with God, with our neighbors, and with ourselves. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.